0: It's time for the Hammer Down show with Jared Jessolitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017 thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. How about now here we go it's the hammer down show on 1017 the hammer 1017 the now the microphone works uh, it is jerry glad to be here thursday uh yeah we got some news on the horizon i mean it's a little bit slow during the day but we're keeping an eye out some big big 10 news to talk about here in just a little bit let's get started with need to know news here's your need to know news Alright, let's start uh, with some high school news Harrison announces uh, Jordan Yost as its new boys tennis coach Uh, She'll take over for Coach Bradley who stepped down back in the spring Yost, a familiar name in the county is a former McCutcheon boys coach from 2012 to 2016 She'll still need board approval but that'll be presented during the next meeting Yesterday's Sox game was postponed because New York looked like Mars outside Like, seriously It was crazy They're going to get two in today. MLB says they expect both games to be played. Uh, Lynn versus Severino in Game 1, which starts just after 4 o'clock today. Then it's Clevenger versus Vasquez in Game 2 after that. We'll see how it all shakes out. Cubs played last night in L.A. and lost their third straight. 6-2, the final to the Angels. They've lost all three of those games, this losing streak, by three runs or more. Cub bats failed them yet again. They pick up just a measly three hits. James' tie-in, five and a third innings, four earned, five strikeouts, four walks. Now, tonight, True Smiley's going to try to hold off the sweep by taking on Reed Detmers in a battle of lefties. Detmers winless so far this season. The club has lost seven of his 10 starts. Big 10 will announce their football plan for the next year tonight, 4.30 on the Big 10 Network. Rumors flying it'll include the elimination of divisions and include up to three protected rivalries each year. Brett McMurphy tweeting out here just a little bit ago that he's got some leaks, none of which involve Purdue, but... Michigan at USC, Ohio State at UCLA, Wisconsin at Michigan, Iowa at USC, UCLA at Michigan, Wisconsin at USC, Nebraska at UCLA, Iowa at Ohio State, USC out at Penn State. Oh, please make that like November. And UCLA out at Iowa. So some leaks With our new West Coast Brethren. so Michigan's got to go out to USC. Wisconsin's got to go out to USC. And USC also has to play Penn State and Iowa. While UCLA gets Iowa, Nebraska, Ohio State, and Michigan. So they're both getting Michigan and Ohio State here, right? No, USC's not getting Michigan. They're getting Penn State instead. No, they get both. I'm losing my mind here. It's not organized easily to read this thing. I'm an idiot. But we'll get the full we'll get the full list and everything here tonight. We're not expected to get dates or times or anything like that just yet. But we'll see how they're going to determine the champion and how this is all going to shake out in some matchups for next year. Aviators back home tonight, 7 p.m. to uh, take on the Danville Dans. Aviators 5-2 and in the uh, leader of the Ohio Valley Division currently get on out there and support. Should be a nice night. And there you go. I wish I had a little bit more for you. But it is Thursday. They tend to be slow. That is your need-to-know news for this Thursday, June the 8th. All right. The winning streak finally has come to a close. Jimmy Buckets gets uh, one last three in to put us over, and our under does not hit yesterday. A little bit of a bummer, but you know what? Hey, let's load up. Let's go back again here. we on a nice hot streak. Let's stay in the ballpark here. We like to use our friends with DraftKings. A lot of baseball on a day. They do have the two-run early win back for you as well, which means you can opt in and then pick yourself a game. And you pick a money line. And uh, you get yourself a free bet back. No, I'm sorry. You can uh, get an early cash if that team goes up by two runs at any point. If you do that, I constantly remind you. That you need to take take yourself an underdog. That only makes sense. Why would you take somebody that you already think is going to win at like minus 200 like the Dodgers today? You're really not taking advantage of this. So we're looking for somebody that might be able to outduel in the first five. That's an underdog. I think a good candidate for this one tonight is going to be the Cubs. Despite the fact that the bats have not been great. The Cubs are plus 110 tonight. And they're taking on Reed Detmers. Detmers has got a 5.15 ERA He's allowed at least six hits in six of his past eight starts. He's allowed at least three earned runs in five of his last six. And Smiley's been pretty darn good. So I feel like you got a little room there. I, I wish that paid off a little bit better, but still. We're in the plus side. I was trying to look and see if there was anybody else that I felt like. Wouldn't be too bad. I could fade Savali in Cleveland. That's plus one twenty. If you want to take Boston night on the road, that's not a bad spot to give it a try. Is there anybody else that's got a good double hitters, man? I don't know that I want to mess with the Sox today. Because Lance Lynn can implode. The Rockies at home against Alex Cobb. Uh, Well, we're a little too late on that, right? you got like three minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably... I think the Cubs are your best bet there. Cubs or Boston, if you want to take advantage of that one. That would be... Those would be my plays. You also got the All Sports 33% Same Game Parlay X boost back again tonight. Get yourself a 25% boost on your Vegas versus Florida Stanley Cup game tonight. There's also the gift super boost. A plus 125 uh, odds on a goal in the first 10. I don't know that I feel like that hits. But those are really good odds for that at plus 125. Also, first goal odd score surge. They're in Florida tonight. I mean, like, if you want to think of Vegas guy, it's always got to be March assault or Eichel. For Florida, man, it's so hard because, like, there are about five guys that could easily score the first. It could be Reinhardt. It could be Bennett. It could be Kachuk. It could be Verhage. It's tough to pick. I think tonight might actually be a little bit more of a low-scoring game, too. Over-under is set at 6. So I absolutely, and, and Vegas seems to think this too. That this is going to be maybe lower scoring, which is surprising because we've gone to, well, what seven goals and nine goals in the uh, first couple of games here. That under has been set at five and a half and six. So despite hitting over as often as it has, they're not adjusting that line. By the way, the home team has won each of the last seven games between these two teams. Golden Knights have also covered the puck line in seven of their last eight games against the Panthers. If you want to go ahead and take uh, that goal and a half tonight, March assault has been the hot hand, though he scored in six of the last seven games. Reiner has scored a goal in four of the last five home games. So, if you're looking for first goal scores, man, that's. Uh, Maybe Reinhart and March assault are the guys to uh, to really focus in on. I don't know that I have a great like pick for you here tonight. I, I just there's not a lot of matchups that I'm really thrilled about in baseball. Like I want to take advantage of Yankees and Sox, and I know they're going to play it, but that air quality thing is just kind of weird. Maybe it's just scaring me off a little bit. Not to mention, we had a lot of afternoon baseball today. I mean, Philadelphia probably smokes the Tigers today. Zach Wheeler's on the mound. It's minus 240, though. Ugh. You're way overpaying for that. Like I said, I think Boston can be an upset. But I'm not, like, so locked into that. Spencer Strider's on the mound for the Braves. So it probably means the Braves are going to roll. But again, they're almost at minus 190. Ugh. And then I got to hope the Cubs bats heat up. But I think that's a good candidate for them right there, though. If you're going to do the the two, that's uh, the go up two. I think the Cubs got a decent shot at doing that. Against Reed Detmers, come on. Guy is absolutely terrible. And then, you know, we got the NHL hockey tonight. I'll see if I can put together some shots on goal. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back. Uh, the Big Ten is going to announce what they're going to do with their football programs here for the next season with the addition of USC and UCLA. I'll tell you the rumors we've heard, plus what I would like to see as we move forward here. We'll talk about that next. This is the Hammerdown Show on 1017, the Hammer, 1017. Reach out to the show via the Hammerhead hotline at 765-447-4080. That number is 765-447-4080. Okay, Uh, so we're going to get this from the Big Ten today. They're going to explain how it's all going to work, USC and uh, UCLA. Now they're joining the conference. So, you know, are they gonna slide into divisions? Are like how's this all going to work? I'll tell you what we've heard from the rumors is there will be no more divisions. Like that's that sounds like that's done. We know if you heard at the top of the show, Brett McMurphy from Action Network said uh they had a, a nice little chunk of UC, USC and UCLA games. Where Michigan has to go to USC, Ohio State has to go out to UCLA. Wisconsin plays Michigan next year. UCLA goes out to Michigan. Iowa goes out to USC. Wisconsin goes out to USC. Nebraska goes out to UCLA. USC has to go to Penn State. UCLA has to go to Iowa. Iowa. So yeah, look at that. USC coming in here, getting Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Penn State to get started. Woof! UCLA's getting Ohio State, Nebraska, and Michigan. It's not that much better. But they're also talking about protecting rivalries, which they, you know, should be doing. I had read up to three they were considering. And then rotating everything out, you know, the rest of the way. I, three seems like a lot. Two, can we do two for everybody? Like, is it possible to lock in two rivals uh, for every school? Anything's possible, right? I can't imagine there won't be at least... You know, one, and you would hope as Purdue that that protected rivalry would be Indiana, right? I mean, it's by far the worst football program in the conference. If it's not the worst, I guarantee you, you're at least arguing that it is one of the bottom programs consistently. Yeah, the COVID year, they had something, but Outside of that, how, how's that? How's that going? If you added a second one, the question for me is: Who would it be? Who who would be that protected rivalry game for Purdue? What would you want? I know you'd want a Northwestern. That'd be great, and certainly you could make a case for it geographically. But I'd like to protect the cannon game with Illinois, to be honest. I feel like that's got a little budding animosity over the last several years. I think a little bit's been added now, too, that Coach Walters is here. I wouldn't mind that. I just don't know who else. I mean, the obvious targets are Illinois, Northwestern, Maybe Nebraska, maybe Minnesota. If you were to add a third or a second. That's what you got to do. As long as you have Indiana locked in every season, that's a win for Purdue. Absolutely a win for Purdue. I mean, Ohio State and Michigan gets locked in. And they have to live with the fact that every year, basically, they're going to decide... You know, who gets to go to the Big Ten championship game? Because one of them is going to take the other one out. It's, just, it's going to keep on happening. How will ties be handled as well for that second spot in the Big Ten championship game? A lot of questions. But here's an obvious one that we really haven't fleshed out here: is If you're going to do one or two rivals... Uh, What do you do with, let's say you go to two rivals, okay? Because I think if you did one, it's just each other. But what do you do with USC and UCLA? You would think the conference would have them play each other. You would think they wouldn't mind playing each other. You don't have to travel much there. I mean, otherwise... If you take them out, you're out playing, what, Minnesota-Nebraska every year? Is that is that the rivalry? Are we going to try to force a USC rivalry with, um, like, a Penn State? That could be something. I don't think you can push them on Ohio State or Michigan- I just think USC with its history, its money, and what it can do to give like Ohio State or Michigan essentially two rivals that can be in the top 25, maybe the top 10 any year, is um, that's a little rough, isn't it? I think Penn State's a good target for USC there. I mean, look look at my other look at my other options, and you got to figure out somebody for UCLA too. Maybe it's UCLA and Nebraska, but you're not turning USC Northwestern into a rivalry. You're not turning UCLA Northwestern into a rivalry. Let's be honest. Can you really turn either two of those into uh, rivalries with Iowa? Eh. For whatever reason, the Penn State thing kind of feels right for me for a second rival for USC. You know, Maryland's out, Indiana's out, Rutgers out. Minnesota, Northwestern, they're out. And Penn State just feels right. But those will be the big questions that I have tonight when they reveal all this. is you know, How many protected rivalries do you get? And what do the rivalries end up being for USC and UCLA? I think if you get two and you're Purdue, uh, the Indiana thing's a no-brainer, and that's great for Purdue. I'd personally, I'd like Illinois to be the second one. If, if we're going to, I would like Illinois to be a second one. That just still got a trophy there. I like playing for the trophies. That's always fun. It just makes sense. I don't think they overthink this very much. I don't think Petiti has overthought this. Very simple. You get rid of the conferences. Everybody gets two against, you know, who's driving the revenue with the rivalries. And then you cycle through everybody else. Pretty simple. I don't think there's there's not going to be a three-conference system here. Unfortunately, we will not get the leaders in the Legends divisions back. It's not going to happen. They're not going to keep the East and West and throw UCLA in one and USC in the other. There'll be no rebalancing of two divisions. It'll be what it should be. Get rid of this East and West stuff. Let the two best teams in the conference, whoever stands at the, at the top of the mountain, gets to play in the championship game. And that's best. As much as it benefited Purdue to play in the West and get themselves into the Big Ten championship, is it really fair to have a team in maybe is like the third or fourth best team in the conference play in the championship game? I don't think so. So yeah, it will make it harder for Purdue. I understand that, but anything worth doing ain't easy. And it's not that Purdue can't get there. And it's not that we should lower the bar back down again and say, well, you know, as long as you can make the top five, we'll call it a successful year. I still firmly believe the trajectory of the program is on the way up, as it has been for the last couple of years. I believe in Coach Walters and the staff. I'm going to be patient in the first year. We're installing, we're learning, we're overhauling a lot of stuff with new personnel. It's going to take time to get that to click. I am am very understanding of that. But I think those days of going, hey, we just need six to go to a bowl and we call it a winning year, those should be over. They are over. Not saying they're gonna go back to a Big Ten championship game this year. But that should continue to be the bar set for the program. Now whether or not they get it, we'll see. I'm willing to be a little patient here with the staff and see what comes of it. But we're going to learn a lot more about what this future is going to entail. And Purdue does not have a walk in the park this year. So hopefully when these schedules come out, and again, we won't have the dates, we won't have times or anything like that, but hopefully when it comes out tonight, it'll be a schedule that favors a second-year coach looking to take that next step. And put you in the upper echelon of the Big Ten. We got a break. We'll be back, though. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. The Hammer. Back after it here on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. I'm Jared Jesselitis. You always reach out to the show via the Hammerhead text line at 765 447 4080. You know, following up on yesterday's topic about the uh, the EA Sports football game and whether or not the $500 was fair for college athletes um, to use their NIL to put in the video game, I asked you guys, uh, a little Twitter poll, is the $500 too low, is it too high, or is it just right? <laughs> literally, an equal amount said too low and an equal amount said too right. Or that's right. So, one jabroni said that it was too high. I I tried to think about it a little bit more on the walk around. I took my son out for like a little stroller walk. He just, you no know, chills and stuff. So, I don't know. I'd, I'd make it like seven fifty. Let's just meet. They probably want double that. Let's meet in the middle seven fifty. If you want in, cool. If not, you can try to negotiate your own deal. Maybe they do that with a few people. And then if you want to be left out, you're left out. I just my whole thing was I didn't want to see the top tier guys make such a big deal out of it and try to get more money out of this, that the people that don't ever get any money walk away with nothing. And I still think there's a possibility of doing that. But then again, I'm a terrible negotiator, but that's what the results of the poll were uh, yesterday. So I I found it interesting that it was that. I honestly thought that uh, more people would just say that it's like too high, but no, you guys were kind of with the, the ball players uh some news and notes here purdue volleyball uh, released a little teaser video the other day dave shondell looking at what he called the hardest purdue volleyball schedule they've ever had and it was released today the breakdown seven of purdue's nine opponents appeared in um, the 2022 ncaa tournament including four which advanced out of the first round six of purdue's Nine opponents. This is non-con. Um, sixty-six percent so sixty-six percent of them recognized in the AVCA poll. Boilermakers will have the most non-conference home matches since 2018. Seven of those. They'll have three tournaments at home, too. The Reamer Club Extra Special Premier, the Stacey Clark Classic, and the Boilermaker Challenge. And the majority of Purdue's non-conference schedule are played on Fridays followed by Thursdays and Saturdays, two matches apiece, and one Sunday showing. I would love, and I know when we had Coach Shondell on, I think we would all love to see them back in Mackey Arena at one point. We'll see if that happens. But the non-con schedule release for volleyball includes... Uh, the Reamer Club Extra Special, they'll host Duke, Creighton, and Loyola. They go out to the Kansas Invitational. That includes the Jayhawks and Marquette. Stacey Clark Classic will uh, welcome in SMU and then Kentucky or Houston. Nice little budding rivalry with Kentucky going on here. The Boilermaker Challenge welcomes in UCF. And USC. It's UCF, the moon pretenders, or is that USF? I could never keep them, con- because if we got to teach these people who owns the moon again, so be it. And then future Big Ten opponents, uh, USC also taking part in the Boilermaker Challenge. That's the non-conference schedule. Tough stuff there, but that's how you get Better. You play the best. Dave Shondell knows this. And Dave Shondell, I trust. And good luck getting tickets. (laughs) That's how that goes, right? It's insanely good. Insanely good. Volleyball community that we have here. Also, Herman Seckney today. Uh, we talked about how great he is. We talked about him being a uh, third-team All-American for Purdue this season. All the you know Big Ten um, awards, Golfer of the Week. They're playing the he's playing the Arnold Palmer Cup today. He got paired up with um, uh, Maribel Ting. And uh, unfortunately, they were, they were beat 4-3 and three today. That's a tough spot to be in because I want to be Team USA, but I also want a Boilermaker to do good. What do you do in that situation? I'm not going to lie. I, I go USA. Sorry. I'd do the same thing when I watch Sidney Crosby win gold for Canada I got to put that stuff aside. I got to go Team USA. But uh, Herman did play today. They pair, it's uh, the top, these are all collegiate athletes, so they're pairing uh, one male, one female. Internationally versus a Team USA. They'll play again tomorrow. Team, uh, international team, six and a half versus five and a half right now. Uh, They are up. So some little odds and ends for things today. I mean, for all, it's, it's been a little, it's been slow. I'm a little surprised we haven't had some more news today. I, there, there was the Vikings letting Dalvin Cook go, but it doesn't look like He's a candidate to end anywhere in, else in the NFC North or the AFC South, for you Colts and Bears fans. They were talking about him going to Miami. I swear, Miami's like the free agent destination anymore. Don't they have like 20 running backs, too? You got Raheem Moser. You don't need him. Well, that's a big development for Bears fans, too. I mean, you look at... Some of these marquee names in the NFC North that are taking off. Aaron Rodgers. Some of those receivers in Green Bay. Now Dalvin Cook's leaving. Doesn't hurt Bears. Doesn't hurt the Bears. Although I would argue that as good as Dalvin is for what he was going to cost and what you get out of Madison when Dalvin is hurt, I don't feel like that's so much of a tank job as some people are putting it out there to be, and not to mention you know there is a a lot of very smart people will tell you you just don't pay running backs. But that is a big time, hey, you let them go. But their receiver core is so good that maybe you don't need him in that backfield. And Madison's not as good as Cook. But I'll tell you what, when he's filled in, he's been more than serviceable. I kind of think this is a good move. I mean... It's Dalvin Cook, but I still think this is actually turns out to be a good move for them. What did he average? He almost averaged four yards a carry last year. He was close to that. I mean, he's pretty consistent. He's like a three point nine yards per carry. I mean, that's not bad. What did Cook what's Cook average per carry? It's not that much more. Just under four and a half. About a half a yard per carry. That's decent. But it's not like they're leaving. It's, It's not like the cupboard is completely bare and they're tanking. I just think they've got so many passing targets that it just kind of makes sense. But still, man, that would have been Crazy offense with him back there. We're going to take our final break. Hey, we'll come back and wrap up a slow Thursday here on the Hammer Down Show with things we missed on 1017 The Hammer. 101... Hey, welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com with uh, Jared Jesselitis here and trying to wrap up uh, a little slow Thursday here. Let's get to some of the things we may have missed. Uh, kudos to the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, the man, the young man that caught uh, Ellie De La Cruz's first home run ball, they came to a very easy agreement to where they've got some photos. They got to meet Ellie. They gave him the ball back and they got some, everybody got some autograph stuff. Here's what the guy asked for for the ball meet and greet, sign baseballs for him and his friends signed picture for him and his friends, and a signed bat and hat. But well, i tell you what, it's a good haul. Meanwhile, Ellie gets his very first home run ball back. Everybody is happy. That seems fair. Look, we've gone through this argument. We went through this argument with the judge home run last year. And I've heard, uh, you know, when we had Chargers here, Chargers always says, don't take the offer. Get out of the stadium. They're going to lowball you. But I think if you're a fan of the game and something as symbolic as a first home run, I think it's a little incumbent on you. I think the right thing is to give that player the ball. But I think you should get some kind of compensation. And I don't think that these... Um, Franchises should really lowball the heck out of you. That's a good haul. And I like it that he also wanted some stuff for his friends too and the Reds obliged. That's easy. It's like five signed baseballs, five signed pictures. Hat and bat signed. Boom. Good. I said the same thing with Judge. You want that record ball back? Give me something of value, equal value back. Give me the... The bat you hit it with, sign it and and let me get it uh, authenticated. Or give me the jersey that you hit it in, get it authenticated. A lot of times I am parting with a, with a decent chunk of money. Recognize that, recognize that I would like to do the right thing here, if that's what you want. Like if the player doesn't want it, doesn't mean anything to them, then yeah, go sell it. They're not sentimental like that. Go sell it. That's all yours. But we saw what happened to the guy with the judge ball, right? He got an offer. He said no. He took it to auction. He got way less. Darn. It's just one of those things where I feel like it belongs to the player anyway. But it's nice to see we can all be reasonable here and come with you know come to something, not you know, just demand cash or Hey, here's a here's a pair of tickets for another game. Like weren't low balled here. They were able to work something out completely reasonable. Kid's happy. He's a fan for life now. The boys are fans for lives now. They get a once in a lifetime experience to bond them. And what did it cost you? <laughs> a meet and greet, five signed baseballs and pictures, an autographed hat and an autographed bat. It's so easy. So easy. I'm glad we were able to come to a, an agreement on that kind of stuff. Finally, I'm sorry, but I, I know we talk sports, and, and you know I don't jump into politics with you at all about any of this stuff. I, I don't want to get into it. It's not why you listen to the show. Um, and, and You know, I certainly have my feelings on things, but we normally just keep it strictly sports unless politics directly intervenes with something here that we have to, you know. There's like when Mike Pence came to the Colts game, we went through all that stuff. You you can't avoid not talking that stuff, but I want to get into that. But there is a news item here that I'm a little bit. I got questions here, and I'm surprised we're not more shocked at this point. At the amount of UFO talk we've had all of a sudden. Now, here comes this video out of Las Vegas. Police body camera catches. It looks like a shooting star type deal, but something's clearly falling to the ground lit up. And then moments later 911 call from a family claims there's two 8-foot persons in their backyard with big eyes looking at us he tells the dispatcher it's in my backyard i swear to god it's not a joke we're terrified police get on out there they don't find anything Nobody can explain what they saw. And then this is on the the heels of that guy on the the news station. They were uh, blowing the whistle saying that we had, like, multiple alien. How do we not freak out more about this? (laughs) Of all the dumb stuff we freak out about in sports and all the conspiracy theories we always think about, people tanking or, you know, um, in it for the books type deal, and we're going to let this slide? We'll ever talk about this. Nobody's asked any of the Vegas Golden Knights or the Stanley Cup playoff what they think about the, these alleged UFO crashes in, in Vegas. Come on. We can do our jobs here. I'm terrified. However, when I watch the body cam video and they're describing everything, I don't know if they're in such a state of shock, but I would think that you'd be a little bit more nervous and scared to death about what you just saw. They seemed. They seemed a little bit more at ease than I would have thought they would have been. So I don't know if this stuff is real. God, I, I, I kind of hope not. <laughs> this is terrifying to me. That's going to do it for the Hammer Down Show tomorrow. Alan Karpik's going to be on with us from goldenblack.com talking about the Tiller Football Foundation banquet that's coming up and how you can be a part of that. We'll also talk some Purdue sports with him as well. That'll be a great way to wrap up the week. Uh and he'll be here tomorrow at three fifteen. Looking forward to talking to our good buddy Alan Karpik. That's tomorrow back here on the Hammer Down show on one oh one seven the Hammer and one oh one seven the Hammer.